Well, welcome. Uh, I want to extend my welcome. If you are new, Aaron's the pastor at um, Brighton. I'm the pastor at Brookline. Good to have you with us. And um, uh, thanks for braving the hurricane. It's truly terrible out there, isn't it? I mean, like, I don't know. I appreciate just the sheer bravery it took to go get in your car tonight or get on the train. Uh, <laughs> I feel like they missed something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's going to be worse, but I've seen Nor'easters worse than this. Um, so, but um, it's good to have you all with us tonight. We are going to be in the um, book of Ephesians in just a few moments, but what we did just here just now was not a, a mere exercise of the church. It's a uh, prayer is an essential part of who we are and what God's called us to be. When you, when you look at scripture, prayer is not an occasional activity of the church. It's a fundamental marker of the church. It's inherent to who the church is. And this goes back to um, what the church is. And, and we, we talked about this as we finished the Apostles' Creed series, but we believe that as Christians, we are in this world walking with God the Father uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit, living in as a community together in a church, moving towards the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. And the Apostles' Creed that we, we spent a couple months on there really captures and, and, and is the, the root reason why prayer even makes sense. Uh, these truths form us as a people, um, and we're a people that function according to different realities. Uh, people who, uh, who, who don't believe the gospel, don't believe in what the Apostles' Creed affirms, uh, are, are, live for things they can see, live for realities they can see or touch or feel or at least temporary earthly goals. But but as Christians, we are shaped by ultimate realities, eternal realities, things that cannot be touched or, um, or felt even um, with the, with, with, uh, physically. Uh, Tony Evans uh, said, everything visible and physical is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. So everything visible and physical in our world is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual, that God is ultimate and therefore, as the people of God, we don't live for what is a temporary reality, it's the things we can touch and feel and see. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, Paul captures this idea. He says, we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we believe that there are ultimate realities um, and that the things in this world are ultimately, are only temporary this is why prayer makes sense. We spent two, over two hours here on Friday night praying and worshiping together, not as an exercise, not as a discipline so we could commend ourselves to God, not so we could somehow walk out feeling better about ourselves, but that, so that we could connect with the ultimate reality of who God is, commune with him, intercede with him, uh, and intercede according to his values. This gets at what prayer really is about. Prayer, uh, you can see this on the screen, prayer is communing with God and partnering with him and advancing his kingdom in this world. Now, the first part makes sense, right? If you think about it, prayer is, is often seen as, oh, it's connecting to God, right? It's talking to God and receiving or listening to God. Uh, but we don't think about the fact that it is, it's, not a, uh, it's not an end unto itself. It's not simply so we can say we're connected to God, but there's a purpose and it's connected with our purpose in this world and what God desires to do in his kingdom through us. Maybe this is new for you. 
Maybe prayer's been uh, a mystery. Maybe you're new to, to church and, and you're like, I, I've never really explored prayer. I've never talked about prayer. I don't know what prayer really is. And I think sometimes we, we over-spiritualize prayer. Um, I don't know if you've ever been around someone that prayed so eloquently and um, you know, with flowery language and you're just like, I don't, I don't know if I should pray anymore. You know, like after they've prayed, you're like, oh, you know, I don't even know half the words they just said, but they were big and very impressive sounding. Uh, but, but the truth is that real prayer is, is heartfelt and is, is really speaking to God. And God doesn't expect you to pray like someone else. I love what um, Matt Chandler says. Uh, he says, pray what you got. Pray what you got. If you're a new Christian or you're just exploring Christianity and you're trying to begin the journey of prayer, then just pray what you got. Start talking to God and listening to God. But for those who are, who are believers, those who are, are Christians, there's a, it's a deeper reality there. And we're focusing on prayer today during our time together because prayer is a marker, uh, a fundamental marker of the people of God. It's, it's, it's an essential reality. And I think in particular in the West for us, um, it's a challenge let me just flip this for just a second. We just prayed for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan. Does anyone think they're forgetting to pray? Do you think any of them are like, gosh, I forgot this week. I didn't even pray. No. Why? Because it's a reality to their everyday life. They have a very real sense of desperation and dependency on God. We in the West have, have been blessed with so much, and we have the opportunity and uh, many of us, I would argue, many of us in Boston uh, maybe have education, abilities. You know, maybe you uh, succeeded in, in high school and in college and graduate school and your job, and you're kind of, you know, like you, you just don't feel the weight of dependency. As if you don't pray, something might really badly happen, or you, you won't actually be able to do what God wants you to do. And so we don't pray. I'm gonna talk about some obstacles to prayer in a moment, but we set aside the month of prayer in August, not so we can finish it off and go, yay, look at us, we had a month of prayer, but because we believe prayer actually changes things. The prayer affects the world. We're doing who's your one, and, and I could go around this room right now. There are some, there are some in this room who were someone else's one, who've, who've come to faith, who've been baptized because people were praying for them, right? And, and there are those of you that have been praying for a friend and you can see them taking steps and moving that way. God has called us to, to pray as a people. And so as I was reflecting on this, we're actually gonna do something a little different today. We're gonna uh, move through this message very quickly. I know if you've been around uh, Brookline for long, you're like, really? I will, um, that, that is gonna be a movement of God uh, for Bland to move through a message quickly. But uh, <laughs> We're gonna move through uh, prayer, talking about prayer from Ephesians 6, and, and then we're gonna actually pray. So even as we did just a few moments ago for Afghanistan, we're gonna, I'm gonna lead you, lead us through a time of prayer as a church. So I wanna encourage you, uh, if you have your Bible, open to Ephesians 6. We're gonna be looking at verses 18 through 20, but also just um, looking back at a few passages around it. So um, <laughs> it's kind of weird to be praying to God and asking for him to help you to focus on a text about prayer because you're gonna preach about prayer. <laughs> but I did, I prayed. <laughs> I was like, pray, like pray, I prayed, God help me to, to land where you want me to land in scripture on this point in Ephesians 6. Even though I'm excited we're diving into Ephesians, we're not gonna have as much time to dig into these few verses. 
when we get there um, in the series in Ephesians, but uh, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, when I'm done, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and I would love for you to affirm with me, thanks be to God. So Paul says, uh, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So uh, I've already said it, but our, our first point that I want us to see here and understand is that prayer is a marker of God's people. It's, it's not just an activity, it's a marker. It's, it's inherent to who we are. Um, when you look at the early church, you look through the New Testament, you see how they function. Even in the Old Testament, how they function, prayer was such a, a interwoven into the li- lives of God's people that it's, it's apparent coming out again. Not just personal prayer, but corporate prayer. Not just prayer for each other, but prayer for big, glorious things to happen. Um, Paul says in verse 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, Pray without ceasing, without ceasing. So pray in the spirit on all occasions. Can anyone think of an occasion that doesn't include? No, okay. And pray with all kinds of prayers. Any particular kinds of prayers you think Paul left out there? No, all prayers, all prayers all the time, right? Is what he's trying to say. Pray without ceasing. Make, make prayer such an inherent part of who you are as a Christian. And he's writing this to a church so inherent to who we are as a people that, that pray, it is like we literally don't stop praying. Uh, one pastor uh, years ago, uh, Charles Spurgeon used to get up in the morning, he had his time in the, 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 in the word and he would pray and he would leave his prayer. He wouldn't say amen. He would just leave his prayer open. And then throughout the day, would just, you know, quick word here, quick word there, period of maybe five or 10 minutes, he would pray. And then at night, he would lay down, he would say his last few prayers, and he would say amen and go to sleep. Because as far as I know, you can't pray while you sleep. Theoretically, I guess, you know, you could say, Lord, I'm opening my prayer time now um, while you go to sleep. But, but he would literally make his entire day a time of prayer. And was it meant every single second he was praying no, but it was meant that prayer was, a, he slipped into and out of prayer all the time. Think about your phone. How many times, how many of you have been really convicted by the Screen Time app? Just raise your hand. Confession's good for the soul. I have my hand raised. Uh, those that have the iPhone app, you know it. It pops up and it's like, you used your phone 137 hours last week, you know? <laughs> and you're like, that's not even, there's not even enough. I wasn't even awake that many hours. I don't use my phone that much. Um, but, but you look at it and you realize how much you pick it up. Now, how many times do you pick it up without even thinking about it? A lot, right? I mean, I know I don't consciously think, oh, I'm gonna pick up my phone now. I mean, sometimes I do but we do it unconsciously. What if, what if that's exactly what Paul is saying prayer should be like? That it's an unconscious go-to. That in a moment, we've, we're getting ready to go into a conversation and we, oh God, help me with this. That's a prayer. It doesn't have to be a huge, glorious, deep theological prayer. It can be, God, help me with this. 
It can be, oh, I'm getting ready to uh, go into a meeting, you know? Or, or uh, hey, God, I'm getting ready to, um, you know, I don't know, go to the doctor or whatever it might be. What if prayer was on the, on the tips of our tongues and a go-to like we go to our phones? This is a picture of praying without ceasing. Now, why don't we pray like that? Right? I doubt very seriously, maybe if, if, you, if you do feel like you genuinely pray a lot, that's awesome. I'm glad you are. Like, like rejoice in that, right? Be, not, not be proud of it. It's not a boasting point, but, but rejoice that you feel like you do consistently pray. But I would guess that that's a very small percentage across this room, right? If any, that would say, yes, I, I feel like I, I probably pray a lot. Uh, most of us don't feel like we pray enough. And I think there's, there's several reasons why this, very practical reasons. One is just apathy. We just sometimes struggle to care about the things of God, don't we? We get so caught up in life, we get so caught up in our circumstances, we get so caught up in ourselves that we don't stop and think about God. Another one is distraction, like our phones, right? Life is complicated. Life has a lot going on, and so we're constantly distracted. Again, I would argue, even in our distraction, we're divorcing the, those very things that we are distracted by from the idea of prayer, when in fact those things should be. Like, if you have 50 things to do, God's not like, don't act like you have 50 things to do, just pray. No, pray as you do the 50 things. That's the picture. Other one is self-dependency. I don't think we feel the need to pray. I mean, like, how many of us think we're gonna get through tomorrow without prayer? How many of us think that tomorrow's, I mean, it may not be great, right? It's a Monday. It's gonna be raining. It's not gonna be great. But how many of us are really worried about making it through tomorrow without prayer? Few of us, if any. So self-dependency is an issue. And then finally, pat, we have a pattern of sin in our lives. Nothing will suck the life out of, out of your energy for prayer than, than sin. If you are in a pattern of sin in your life, it will suck that energy out of wanting to be with God. So why then should we pray? We should pray, and even as we were, we've sung so far about, about Jesus, about the mercies that we've received, Romans 12, one says that we ought to do everything out of, because of the mercies of God. And, and the mercies of God, that, that here's the thing, that you, in, in your weakness, and your distraction, and your crazy life, and your apathetic heart, and your, you know, your spirit that's all over the place, God still loves you. He doesn't resent you. He loves you. He's inviting you into fellowship with him, to commune with him, to talk with him, and take your puny, finite life and leverage it for something that matters, his kingdom. You wanna know how your work matters? It matters because it's part of the kingdom. You wanna know why your relationships matter? They matter because they're part of the kingdom. So when do we pray? We pray all the time. What do we pray about? Everything. But I would argue that compared to the way the early church prayed, we pray for very temporary things. I'll give you an example. So let's talk about uh, your job. So you're looking for a job, you're looking for a new job. You got a bad job, job's hard, or you don't have a job and you're looking for a new job so you can work, right? Good prayer, nothing against praying for a job. The problem is we pray for the job and only the job, and we see it as an end unto itself. 
instead of seeing the job as an ends, as a means to an end. You see that a job is not an end to itself, it's a means to an end. It's a means to the end of you glorifying Christ with your life. Jesus wants you to have a job. Why does he want you to have a job? Because work is good, we're created for work. So he wants you to find joy, he wants you to find a, a sense of peace, a sense of satisfaction in work, to go work. That's part of it. But he also wants you to, to, to love, your, love your coworkers, to be salt and light in your workplace. He wants you to be able to pay your bills, right? So Jesus, give me a job, I can pay my bills, but also so I could be generous to other people. You see, the problem is we pray for sick healing, we pray for our job, we pray, but we don't wrap it up in the kingdom of God. You wanna hear what the early church prayed for? This is a, a survey, very quickly, of, of what the early church prayed for. Uh, if you want them, I can send you the scriptures for all of these. They, pray, they called on God to vindicate his, his people in their cause. They called on God to save unbelievers. They called on God to direct the use of the, 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 the sword, the word of the, the, the Lord, the, the, the scriptures. They called on God for boldness and proclamation. They called on God for signs and wonders. Anybody doing that this week? Anybody praying for signs and wonders in your, in your life, in your workplace? They called on God for healing of wounded friends. They called on God for healing of un, uh, unbelievers. They called on God for the casting out of demons. They called on God for miracle, miraculous deliverances. They called on God for the raising of the dead, to supply his troops with necessities, for strategic wisdom, to establish leadership in the church, to send out reinforcements for the success of our missionaries, for the unity and harmony in the ranks, for the encouragement of togetherness, for a mind of discernment, for a knowledge of his will. Uh, they called on God to know him better, uh, for power to comprehend the love of Christ, for a deeper sense of assurance, for strength and endurance, for deeper sense of his power within them. Uh, they, pray, they called on their God for faith not to be destroyed. They called on God for greater faith. How many of you do that? Like I was reading, I was reading these and I was like, man, like, yeah, do I actually ask God for more faith? Like God, would you give me like just crazy bold faith? That's a great prayer. Why? Because it's not an end unto itself. They called on God that they might not fall into temptation, that he would complete their resolves to follow him, that God would um, do, that uh, they would do good works. They called on God for forgiveness of their sins, for protection from the evil one. This is what it means to pray in the spirit. When Paul says pray at all times, on all occasions, with all prayers, in the spirit. He's saying, let your prayers be caught up in the spirit, in what God wants to do. And that's why I was saying, like, I think our prayers sometimes get caught up in the temporary realities in this world. And I'm not saying God doesn't care that you, uh, you know, you, 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 uh, about simply supplying a job for you. I just think the problem is when that's shaping all of our prayers, then we're praying for little temporary realities and forgetting that this is about communion with God and forwarding his kingdom in this world. And it's no wonder prayer will, will die out. If prayer is just about some one-off things that are wrong in your life, then no wonder we stop praying. Second, secondly here, prayer, uh, Paul lays out prayer as a wartime strategy. Verse 18, second part of verse 18, he says, with this in mind, be alert. 
and keep always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Keep alert, pay attention. Look around, pay attention to what happened. If you're discouraged, here's the thing, okay, your job is like crushing you, you're super discouraged, your boss is a terrible person, they're evil, you have coworkers that steal what, what you're doing or they try to take credit for stuff you're doing or they're very difficult to work with and super emotionally unhealthy, uh, have no self-awareness, whatever it might be, those things. What if there are spiritual realities in your workplace? What if there are spiritual realities there? Um, and, and Paul is saying, like, you're not, you're not running up against just people here. You're running up against something different. And this goes back to uh, verses uh, 10 through 12 of Ephesians 6. So Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Pause on that. If that's what we're fighting and you're praying, God, give me a job. Are you, are you even in the fight, I would argue? No, I'm saying like, God's not against you getting a job if you don't have a job. But our, our, our prayers are like, we got these blinders on and we're like, well, the only thing at work here is physical realities. And the only thing here is I need a physical job so I can pay my bills or not lose my mind or lose all my hair because my boss is terrible or whatever. Like we're called to a greater reality. Dr. Tony Evans says, when you have lived long enough, it becomes pretty clear that life is not a playground, but a battleground. Paul says we wrestle. How many of you have been in a situation, had a, and it could be work, could be relationships, could be whatever, have felt like you were wrestling with something? Like, like it just seemed like bigger than what was actually there. Yeah, that's the reminder that it's bigger than what's actually there. Remember what I said early on, we are not people that look with our eyes at ultimate reality. We look at our hearts. We look in through faith at ultimate realities. So then prayer becomes a strategy for us. It's, it's equipment, it's gear. Imagine that you're a, you're a soldier being, and you've been sent overseas on a long-term mission, and this mission is to free people from, the, from an evil, violent, murderous dictator. That's your mission. You're, you're sent there. You've been, you've been given equipment, right, supplies, and you've been given a radio or a sat phone. Let's make it really modern. Sat phone, right? Satellite phone. You can call from anywhere. doesn't matter. And that satellite phone uh, is, is your access to, to call in additional resources to get wisdom on, on particular situations you're facing, and you have that satellite phone with you. Now, if that's what prayer actually is, does anyone think the enemy has a vested interest in getting us to stop praying? If the, phone, if the satellite phone is how we get resources, how we get wisdom, how we, how we call in air support, right, in the, in the battle that we're in, like, why wouldn't Satan say, that's where I'm gonna target? You know what? I'm gonna make them feel like they're okay. You got this. You know, I mean, like, yeah, it's good, right? We'd all say it's good to pray, but 
There's a big difference between good and necessary. It's necessary to eat. None of you will forget to eat likely tomorrow, right? Why? Because your body reminds you, oh, you have not eaten today. I will sometimes do that. I'll get up and get going and be busy. And then it's like one o'clock in the afternoon and my body's like, Argh! you know, and then I have to eat something or I hurt someone. But, um, but the point is, I'm reminded of that. Food is a necessity. A prayer is just a good thing we could do. But what if prayer was a necessity? You know, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took his core disciples out to the Garden of Gethsemane with him and he set them down. He's like, guys, hang out here, pray, I'll be back. And he went on further into the garden and he prayed. And three times he came back. You know this story, he came back three times. All three times, what were his disciples doing? They were asleep. And I think, I think even in this night, Jesus was doing two things. Showing, number one, he's going to the cross by himself. He isn't going to the cross because he's got an awesome team of guys behind him. He has a gaggle of morons is what he has. And he's proving how broken they are and how useless they are in a battle. Because right now Jesus is battling and they're sleeping. So what does Jesus say to them? Matthew 26, watch and pray that you may not fall or enter into temptation. The spirit is will, indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knows we're in a war. Jesus knows there's a battle. Jesus knows that our flesh is weak. Our flesh will, will default to, to what we like. Our flesh will default to what's comfortable. Our, our flesh will default to our own ambitions. But when you look at the early church and you look at the church around the globe today and how the gospel is growing and when the, the gospel's really, revival is happening, spiritual renewal is happening, church renewal is happening, then people are being reached. It's when prayer becomes a necessity and no longer a good thing you can do, but an essential thing that the church does. I've had a, uh, I've had a laptop since, I think 1996. I know many of you are like, I haven't been alive that long. Um, but but I, I had a laptop in 1996. My, it turned out my dad's company uh, uh, gave him a laptop once a year at that point, and then uh, they would let him keep the old one. So they'd give him the new one. So I got a, like a one-year-old iPad, or a, a iPad, no, a, a, a ThinkPad, IBM ThinkPad. It was about yay big and, you know, like this tall. Um, it was only slightly less heavy than an actual desktop at that point, but um, and it was like eight by 12 pixels or something. Uh, the screen, it was mono, I literally had a monochromatic screen. It was awesome. Um, anyway, I took notes and I did, you know, of course, word processing on, and all of that on it, but uh, the battery lasted for seven seconds. You know, it was, they were terrible. And they've gotten better, right? My MacBook now will, will hold out for, uh, six, eight hours, depending on what I'm running on it at the time. Um, but one of the things that I've learned over the years, and you've probably learned this as well, is it's far better when you're near, some, near power just to be on power, right? Rather than, rather than letting your computer get down to the point where it blinks and it says, you better plug in now, we're cutting this thing off. Anybody see that? Like, I know some of you, you're like, that's me. I never pay any attention. Um, that's exactly how most of our, us are with prayer, like the light's flashing, battery's dead, life is falling apart, circumstances are crushing us. We should pray. 
right? But what if we just stayed plugged in so that those moments where we weren't plugged in, we still had power? I know that's a, that's a silly analogy, but I hope maybe when you look at your battery on your, mat, on your computer, you will think about this and say, am I plugged into prayer in this way so that, so that I don't get to that point of desperation? Because we all do that, right? If sickness strikes us, uh, we lose our jobs, something serious happens in our lives, and we call on the troops. Let's pray, let's pray. We gotta pray about this. What if we just prayed anyway? And that ties us to our final point here, and that prayer is for the mission. Paul's idea here is prayer is a strategy, specifically prayers for the mission. Paul says, verse 19, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul asked for prayer. Paul asked for prayer. How many of you are quick to ask other people for prayer? Not not because you're going through a major crisis, but because you just wanna be faithful. You just wanna love Jesus more. You wanna see Christ work through you. You know when we, I I gotta admit this, confess this. You know when we mostly ask for prayer? When When there's something wrong. Something's wrong, would you pray for me? Instead of thinking of what's right, what's the purpose here? What's the goal? I think we need to get over asking others for prayer. This is hard for me, this confession moment. As hard as it is, it's good for my soul. It's hard for me to ask for prayer. Why? I'm the lead pastor, right? Lead pastor is supposed to have stuff together. Everyone else comes to me for prayer. Everyone comes to me for resources. I'm the one that's supposed to have it kind of together. And then out of that, I... I you know, serve others. But what if I'm desperate for prayer? What if I'm really needy for prayer? Well, that doesn't look good. That's what I tell myself. And it really hurts. It doesn't help at all that I'm an Enneagram 8, right? I don't need, nope, don't need anyone. I am strong enough on my own, powerful enough on my own. I can get it done. How many of you feel that way? How many of you will ask for prayer when it isn't something big, when it's actually something positive, when it's something like, I want more faith. I wanna trust God in this situation. I want God's help in this. I wanna see God glorified in my workplace. What if we, our prayers took that turn? Well, then prayers go from, from requests, our, our laundry list of, here, Lord, here's the 13 things I'd like for you to do for me, to, Lord, here are 13 things that I think we can leverage for your kingdom, that we could see your gospel go forward, that people will be changed, that the that this city will be changed, that my life will make an eternal difference in this world. That's a big difference in prayer. And one of them in particular Paul prayed for is, is boldness, right? Paul says, pray for me. Pray for me for, for boldness that I would declare it fearlessly. Paul prayed for boldness. Paul prayed 
for boldness, said, please pray for me, intercede for me. Does anyone know Paul? Has anyone seen Paul? Have you read any of what Paul has done? He has been beaten. He's been arrested. He had, he'd been, he had crowd, a huge crowd in the Ephesian audit, uh, amphitheater. He wanted to go in there and preach the gospel to him, even though they all wanted to kill him. He was, he was like, you know what? The Holy Spirit tells me when I go into this city that I'm gonna get abused by those people, but I go. Like, he did, Paul needs boldness. I'm like, I'd like a fraction of Paul's boldness, just a, just a little percentage in there. And if Paul prayed for boldness, what if we prayed for boldness for each other? What if you could go into your workplace fearlessly? I'm not talking about brashness. That's very different. I'm talking about bold, bold. You know where boldness comes from? This is what Paul's really praying for. He's praying for faith. He's saying, God, help me that when I encounter people who don't know you, I don't, cur- I don't hold back. I don't, don't like, you know, hide the gospel that I have faith. I really, really believe this so much so that I'm not afraid to tell someone. What if one of our prayers for each other was boldness? So as we conclude... And seeing this call to prayer here, I want us to pray. I want us to take a few moments to pray. Um, so we're going to take just a few minutes here, uh, to, and I'm going to lead us through a time uh, of prayer. And this is going to be some reflection on your part and some time to pray where you are. And this, I would also say this, pray what you got. <laughs> so I may say some things, and you're like, I don't know what that fully means. Just pray what you got. Listen, God doesn't God doesn't resent when a person doesn't know how they should pray. He says, God, I don't know how I should pray. He loves that, right? I'm gonna ask us to go ahead and bow our heads and, and close our eyes for a minute. We spent a lot of time already in this service really focusing on God and um, you know, drawing near him and looking to him and so you know, prayer often begins with praise. We've already been pray, praising God, so I want you to just quiet your mind and your heart. Got your phone in your hand, just put it aside. Breathe. Take a deep breath, maybe. Pay attention to what you're feeling in your body and in your mind. Now begin to ask God to reveal to you anything in you that's offensive to him. I want you to think about why you maybe don't pray as you should. What is the reason? Apathy, distraction, self-dependency, maybe a pattern of sin. 
maybe your biggest struggle here today is just that God actually loves you, your mess, that he sees you, he is for you. Just lay that before him right now. Let's bring all of what we've just thought about and reflected on before God in confession. Ask God to forgive you. In your mind, maybe even in your, in your own quiet voice, say, God, please forgive me for, and you just fill in the blank. If you feel comfortable, I want you to just lay your hands in your lap, like open, open palms up. Not something mas- magical, it's just a physical gesture to represent receiving something. And I want you to receive these words from Ephesians 2, verse 5 through 7. Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace, kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You are literally God's eternal trophy. He delights extending his grace to you because it brings him more glory to do so. Receive that. to take a moment and pray for your one. This is the person we've uh, set aside this month to pray for, to try to pray for every day, doesn't know you. They don't know what that grace is. Don't know what it is to feel the love of God, to know the love of God. I encourage you to just feel that for just a moment. Feel that burden that they don't have the hope that you have. Then pray for them.
now as we wrap up and move into a time of, of response and worship, what I, I'd love for you to do is just take literally a couple minutes, get in groups of two or three. If you don't feel comfortable praying with anyone, that's totally fine. You stay where you are, you just pray where you are, pray what you got. Um, but if you, if you feel comfortable, then uh, go ahead and, and get out with somebody else and just take a few, a couple minutes, literally just pray for the church. If you're, if you're sitting on Hill Brighton, praying for uh, Pastor Aaron, praying for your church this fall, praying for God to use your church for the kingdom to go forth, for prayer to be built up, for, uh, for your congregation, for brothers and sisters in Christ, for Brookline, the same thing. Let's, let's take just a few moments together and pray for God to move in our church, in our midst, in our city. Uh, so go ahead and get with a couple other people. we thank you for the gift of prayer like even now God I know across this room hearts are being stirred towards you that bold prayers are being asked of you we are powerless we are hopeless we are just a bunch of people dealing with human wisdom apart from you we need you Jesus our churches need you this city needs you Give us that sense of desperation, God. Give us the heart to pray. And as we take communion now, Lord, as we prepare, Lord, we know that you made it possible for us to come into your presence and pray without fear, without shame, without guilt. That we get to commune with you, the infinite, perfect, holy God of the universe, because your son has so perfectly paid the price that we never again will be cast out as we take the bread and we take the cup and remember what you have done for us we celebrate you Jesus we rejoice in the grace that has been extended to us we honor you and we ask you to help us to live for you more fully this week may prayer be on our lips 
in our hearts throughout this week ahead. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We're gonna have communion stations uh, at the front and the back of each of the aisles. So anytime over this next song, if you're a Christian, you can step out and take communion um, and, and then uh, you know just take it back to your seat. I also wanna just encourage a spirit of prayer uh, through this next song and the last song. If you wanna continue to pray with someone around you, if you need to sit, kneel, whatever, pray personally, let's, let's continue that spirit of prayer. Uh, Christ is far more interested in us like surrendering to him right now than he is in all of us uniformly singing a song, right? So let's, let's surrender ourselves to him, however that means for you in this moment, uh, let's do that.